church? How are you guys doing today? Si hablas espanol, bienvenidos a Shelby Road Baptist Church. Really glad to have you all here today. Would you join me in prayer before we begin with the message this morning? Heavenly Father, Lord, just what that last song said is what we want to express to you this morning. In particular, all the weeks of this series, but we want to, we want to do this, Lord, um, every single day of our lives. So just pray as we cover thankfulness this month. Lord, that you will transform our hearts, give us thankful spirits, give us thankful minds, that we may live life from that position, Lord, rather than any other. Lord, we're so grateful to you. There's much to be grateful for. In the name of Jesus, we pray. All God's people said, amen. amen. Well, good morning. Really thankful for Pastor McNeil and the series that he just wrapped up, The Last Word. That's a good one, right? Yeah. If you missed any of those sermons, I want to encourage you to check out the Shelby Road Baptist Church podcast. It's available anywhere that you would listen to a podcast, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, anything like that. Or you can go onto the website, shelbyroad.org, and check it out. All right, so who are my do-it-yourselfers out there? DIY people, you encounter a problem in the home or, you know, in the car or somewhere else, and you're like, I got it. I got this, gonna get the tools out, DIY till the day I die. Probably because you're pretty good at it, right? For some people, it doesn't go so well. I wanna show you some pictures that I found online, okay? Uh, Andrew, why don't we scroll through these pretty quickly? Here we go. <clears throat> now that's a small bathroom. My question is how are you gonna shut the door once you're in the bathroom? <laughs> Do it yourself. What do we got next? Oh, that's like a 30-cent fix. Yep. These are not CGI, if you These are real pictures. How do you like that one? That's pretty classic, right? Hey, do what you got to do to get it done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what else we got? Hey. It's only a problem if you need to shut the door. Other than that, it works just fine. That's my favorite one. <laughs> that one right there is my favorite one of all of the pictures. DIY, man. It's good. It's, it's good if you're in the home and, you know, particularly want to save money and do all that kind of stuff. Do it yourself. Man, get up there and solve the problem. It's fine for problems that we find in the house or anywhere like that. But we have a tendency to kind of bring that do-it-yourself spirit into other areas of our lives where it's less helpful. And the larger problem that you encounter, the problem that you encounter that's bigger than just the, you know, the sink or this other thing, the more important your solution is, whatever solution you choose. And this is particularly true for spiritual problems. Spiritual problems and mental problems that we encounter in life, and I think one of the biggest ones that we encounter on a regular basis is stress and anxiety. Okay? Stress and anxiety is something that we're all familiar with. All right, and before I continue, I want to make very clear that this morning I'm talking about what I call common anxieties. Okay? Common anxieties meaning they're common to everybody. Right? All of us will encounter these stressful anxiety ridden situations just by being alive, okay? Some people, myself included, 
in my past have encountered what I call uncommon anxiety, where it's something you don't know where it comes from, and it lasts a really, really long time, longer than it really should, and that's something that requires more than just what we're going to talk about today. What we're going to talk about today is helpful for those situations, but sometimes those situations necessitate treatment and counseling and things like that. I just want to say that that's okay. Okay, I've done that myself before. If that's a step you need to take, that is okay. All right, and this morning's talk will help you, but overwhelmingly this morning what I'm talking about are anxieties that are common to everybody, okay? Life gets like this. The car breaks down unexpectedly on the side of the highway. And now, when you thought you had X amount in your savings, you really have less now because you've got a $2,500 car repair to cover, right? Or you get sick. The kids get sick. Maybe more than just like a bug of some kind. Maybe you really get sick. You get a diagnosis from the doctor that is scary. That's stressful. That's anxiety-inducing. What else? What if you are in school? If you're a student, you're in school, and the assignment ended up being more difficult than you ever thought it was going to be, and it's about to be due, and you are stressed to the max over how it's going to go. This is life. This is real life for all of us, okay? And so many of us, we're out there grasping for peace. We're looking for peace of mind. I talk to so many people, stop in my office, I meet them for coffee, things like this, and they're looking at me and they're saying, I have absolutely no peace. And yet when I read the Bible, the Bible tells me that God gives peace, but I can't get a hold of it. Well, this morning, we're going to start a brand new series called Thanks, It's a Choice. Now, four weeks of this month leading up to Thanksgiving Day, we're going to be focusing on the difference that the choice of thanksgiving makes in our lives. And it is a choice because thankfulness is not automatic, okay? Thankfulness is not automatic. Well, what does this have to do with peace? Well, here it is. Here's the main idea today. I don't want you to miss this. The big main thing, I'm going to throw it right up on the screen first. It's this. Thankful prayer releases God's peace, Okay? Thankful prayer releases God's peace. Now, you may think, well, I, I, I was stressed out, had a bunch of anxiety, and I prayed about it, and then it didn't do anything. And I've been there, and I think it's partially because some of us, we pray worry. <laughs> you ever done this? I have a stressful situation, maybe a stressful season in life. I wake up in the morning, and I'm stressed out. I've got all kinds of anxiety, so I pray. And then I pray, and I pray, and I get to noon, and I pray, and I get to the evening, and I pray, and I get to the right before bedtime, and I pray, and I end up just as stressed out as I was when I started the day. Well, how does that work? I was praying. Well, maybe you were praying, but you were worrying. You were just worrying in prayer, right? So it's not just prayer that does this. I'm going to read our passage uh, all the way through right here. It's Philippians 4, 4 to 9. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. We're covering verses 4 through 9 today. <clears throat> rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near, so do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, 
with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. It's not just prayer that releases God's peace. Paul gives the prescription here. It's thankful prayer. Well, what does thankful prayer look like? Well, as we break this section apart, I'm going to even put up a couple of little, like, section uh, passage maps up on the screen for you. As we break this apart, you're going to see three thankful prayers. I'm going to give them right to you. I'm going to give them to you in the form that you can even pray them. It's on your sheet, too, on your bulletin. Three thankful prayers that you can begin to pray that turn your prayer into thankful prayer that releases God's peace. Okay? Three thankful prayers. We have our own strategies for peace, especially in this culture, right? When I think I've had a stressful day, I want to go and capture some peace. So I'm going to go light my candles. I'm going to go to my man cave or my she shed, or I'm going to... It's true. <laughs> I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to do whatever. And those things are fine. Some of us, though, because those things begin not to work, we take another step into the extreme and we start doing sinful things to get peace, right? So I'm smoking or I'm smoking other stuff or I'm drinking because it's the only way that I can feel better, right? Or I'm doing all kinds of other things that God doesn't want me to do because it gives me some, just a seed of peace in a storm of anxiety. Well, thankful prayer is what the Apostle Paul has prescripted to us. And here is the first prayer. It's, fr- it's number one on your sheet too. You appointed this, this being the situation that you're in. And all these are directed at God. So that's prayer number one. You, God, appointed this. I want to look back at verses four to six again. We're going to focus in on these for a couple moments. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near, so do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. I don't know about you, but for me, that passage right there contains at least the top two or three most difficult commands in all of Scripture. What are some difficult commands that we know we have from God? Love your enemies. That's hard. Right? That's not easy to do. But how about this one right here? Okay. Do not be anxious about anything. You ever tried that? Have you tried it? How many days did you get? Okay, let me rephrase that. How many hours into the day? No. How many minutes did you last into the day when you attempted do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. It's an imperative verb there in the Greek. It's a command. Do not be anxious about anything. And yet, if he said it, 
If God commanded it, it must be possible. Well, this first prayer is a huge part of this. You appointed this, all right? I'm going to throw a little passage map up here to explain kind of the thought process that we're getting to, all right? So there's something that's happening in this passage. There's an action that's taking place, all right? I'm going to call it the what, all right? So here's the what. The what is prayer. That's what we're doing. The what is prayer. We're praying, right? Okay, now there is a win to this prayer. There is a when it is happening. Do you see it in the passage? When is this prayer happening? In some situations? Is it in most situations? No, it's every situation. Okay? So we're praying, and we're praying in every situation, but that's not all. There's a how. How are we doing this? Do you see it in the passage? With thanksgiving. Okay. We're praying, and it's every situation with thanksgiving. Again, I want to highlight this. Some situations, good situations, every situation. Now, how in the world... Am I supposed to pray with thanksgiving in a situation I'm not thankful for? This is what we're told to do. Well, this first prayer, you appointed this, is a game changer. To appoint something, I use that word very, very particularly. If I am praying to God and recognizing that he has appointed the situation that I'm in, and you and I are all in situations, by the way, anxiety-inducing, stress-inducing, difficult situations, but I say you appointed this, right? To appoint something is to send it on assignment. I use that very, very carefully because God did not create evil and suffering, right? God didn't create it. You can say it right, okay? God didn't, is not responsible for the evil and the suffering that happened in my life, right? You can say it right. But is he in control of it? So therefore, can he appoint it? Take it, send it on assignment into my life. Well, why does he do this? There's a lot of different explanations out there for this, but in general, you can bet that anything that he appoints into my life, even if it's stressful, anxiety-inducing situation, it's for his glory and for my good. But the problem is, is that many times, because it's a situation I'm not thankful for, I'm having a hard time seeing how it's for my good. Well, the first step in turning my prayer into a thankful prayer is to recognize that God has appointed this. This is a big theological term. It's two words. I'll just say it. God's sovereignty. He's sovereign over everything, right? If he's sovereign, that means he's got all the control all of the time. And that has to be true. And it's really easy for me to recognize that when I've got a windfall of wonderful things coming into my life, right? If I got people coming and dropping off gift cards for Taco Bell and for other things, you know, I'm just saying, I'm kidding, right? Or somebody comes over and they just they just bless me with something, or God chooses to allow wonderful things to happen. It's really easy for me to go, Lord, you are in control. You appointed this. 
And I can get thankful there, but then when it's something that is not what I would choose, it's an, it's an anxiety-inducing situation that I would never pick that is continuously there. It's become a season in my life. It's incredibly difficult. It's really, really difficult for me to, in prayer, say, you appointed this. So I will spend all of my prayer time asking God to move me out of the situation, but I don't spend a whole lot of time recognizing his sovereignty, and it's important that we do. Some people, well-meaning people, will look at somebody who is in a storm, an anxiety situation, anxiety-inducing situation storm, and look at them and say, well, hey, you know what? It, it, this wasn't in God's plan. God didn't plan for this terrible thing to happen to you. He's with you, and he feels your pain, but he didn't plan for it. Well, not only is that not biblical, which we're about to see, but it's also it's really disheartening, actually, when you think about it, because you're telling me that I've got a God where things happen to me and it's not in the plan? He's, that, he's surprised by it. He's not in control of it. It just kind of happens. Well, that's not the God that Scripture gives us a picture of. Let's take a look at a bunch of passages here, okay, to illustrate God's sovereignty so we know that this is something we can recognize. Here's the first one. He's sovereign over people, right? Proverbs 16, 9 says this. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord, what's that word? Establishes their steps. Okay? He's sovereign over people. I have my plans, but how it all works out is in God's full control. Let's continue on. He's sovereign over the future. Right? Isaiah 46, 9 to 10 says, Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. Right? Not only that, but he's sovereign over world leaders. Proverbs 21.1, in the Lord's hand, the king's heart is a stream of water that he channels toward all who please him. Even chance. In God's world, there's no such thing as chance because you look at this Proverbs 16, 33 says the lot is cast into the lap. This is when they would cast lots. It's the equivalent of like rolling dice or just seeing how things are going to land. The, cat, the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. And I think the ultimate example of this is what happened with Jesus on the cross. Look at how Peter he explains the situation of the crucifixion, but he's in prayer. So he's saying this to God in Acts chapter 4, verses 27 and 28. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, all the people responsible, in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. Here's the key phrase. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. The cross is kind of the apex point of the greatest evil that's ever occurred on the face of the planet because it's the only time that a truly innocent man suffered and died, wrongly accused. But it also was the point of the greatest victory and good that the world has ever seen. Something that happened that God appointed and appointed it for good right? We see this later on. We see this in scripture as well in the first book in Genesis and Joshua, his situation, or not Joshua, Joseph, his situation. He's sold into slavery by his brothers, and then at the end he says, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. 
I don't know what your situation is today, but you're in one. You're in a situation that qualifies under the Philippians 4 in every situation clause. And you're facing it, and you have prayed and prayed and prayed for God to take it away. And that is good. That's okay, and you should continue to pray that. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But I think one step toward a thankful prayer, a prayer that is truly engenders a thankful spirit in your heart is to say, Lord, you appointed this. There is something you're doing in this. When you're in the moment, you've got all kinds of anxious thoughts storming in your brain. This is a powerful prayer to pray. You appointed this. There is control here. This isn't just chaos. You didn't just let this slip through the cracks. You weren't sleeping at the switch. There's something happening here. That's the first step. That's prayer number one. You appointed this. It's a difficult prayer to pray, but the only way to be anxious about nothing is to get prayerfully thankful about everything. Every situation, not just the good ones, every situation. That's thankful prayer number one. Here's thankful prayer number two, which we'll see in the passage here in a moment. You can change this. Okay, so the first one is you appointed this, this being my situation, whatever it is that I'm in. Here's the second one. You can change this. Now you say that sounds kind of strange because you just finished telling us that God appointed this particular thing. Well, now, yes, that's true. But God wants to hear your prayers and your desires to have something change. Again, I'm going to remind you of what the situation is here. Okay, what are we doing? We are praying, okay? And when are we praying? Every situation. How are we praying every situation in? With thanksgiving. Let's look at Philippians 4, 6 one more time. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Okay, if you've got your own Bible here, I want you to underline the word petition. Okay. Underline the word petition. There's three words here kind of used for communication with God, this prayer that's happening in this passage. The first one is prayer. So by prayer and petition, that first word prayer just means communicating with God. We're talking with God. The third one is requests. Right? That word is it's just an ask, but it's not an urgent ask. It's an ask that God's probably not going to say no to, all right? I'd kind of draw an equivalent to if I'm sitting down at the dinner table with my family and I say, hey, can you pass the salt? They're not going to say no to that. They might. If you've got a family where that happens, call me. Actually, no, call Pastor McNeil. Um, but this is like if I ask God, Lord, will you make me more patient? Is he going to say no to this? Nope. Actually, you're good for today. You have reached max patience for the day. You can spend the rest of the day with a short fuse. No. Lord, make me more patient. Yes, he's going to say yes to that every time and immediately. And by the way, don't ever pray that prayer. <laughs> but that's a request. That word petition is a different word. It's a different thing. It is an urgent 
It's an urgent request to someone who is in authority. I mean, think about this. Have you ever signed a petition before? Right? Somebody coming around, knocking on your door, and they got a list and a clipboard, and they say, hey, we're signing a petition for whatever it is. Well, why is it a petition? It's a petition because they want to see something change that they don't have the authority to change. So it's a petition. They're throwing up a petition and saying to the people in authority, look at all the people that would like to see this change, and would you change this? This is no different, but it's urgent. It's when I go to the Lord and I say, listen, this situation that you appointed, (laughs) would you change this, please? But the petition word is the key. That's what keeps it thankful, okay? I want you to take your hands, free up your hands, okay, right now, both hands like this. I want you to squeeze your fist. Keep them like this until I tell you otherwise, okay? Many times when we're in a stressful, anxiety-inducing situation and we pray, it's almost like a demand, Lord, change this. You have to change this. It's killing me. I can't get anything done. I can't do what I'm supposed to do. I can't live the life that I'm supposed to live. Please change this, change this, change this. Okay? And I'm asking, but I'm not asking. You know what I'm saying? What are you feeling right now in your fist? It's tension, right? All your muscles are contracted. This is what happens sometimes when we do this name it, claim it stuff. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I declare that this situation is, you know, all that stuff. That's just telling God what to do. It's not a petition. And it's not thankful. It's not a thankful spirit. Let me demonstrate for you what a thankful spirit is, okay? Now put your fists together like this and open them. What'd you feel? It's a relief, right? Trusting believers... Pray with open hands. Always. We always pray with open hands. Meaning this. I say, Lord, this situation that you appointed, the situation that's hurting me, the situation that's difficult, you can change this. You can change this. But I'm leaving you the choice. You know I want to see it change. You know it's hurting me. But I'm leaving you the choice, Lord, because I'm praying with open hands, which means that I've got a thankful spirit. A thankful spirit prays with open hands because I willingly receive and gratefully receive from God's hands whatever it is he chooses to place in mine. Works the other way too, by the way. And here's the scary part. I gratefully allow the Lord to take whatever it is he chooses to take from my hands because I'm praying with open hands. You can change this, Lord. You don't have to, but you can. I'm asking you to, but this is the posture of thanksgiving. It's the posture of petition. It's a thankful prayer because I'm allowing God to make the decision. And I'm praying with open hands, demanding nothing, deciding nothing because I'm leaving it all up to him. Do you see the difference though (laughs) between praying like this and praying like this? Which one actually unlocks the peace? Which one feels more relieving, even though this one's scarier to pray like this? It's scary to pray with open hands. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's a thankful prayer. That's, you can, that's a petition. In every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Here's how you can reinforce this as you pray. 
When do we normally thank someone for something? After we receive it. Makes sense, right? Okay. To reinforce a thankful spirit as you pray thankfully, flip it around. What does Paul say? He says, in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. A petition with thanksgiving. That means I thank God when I ask for the thing. Not just after I get whatever I get from him. I thank him before. Why? Let me ask you this question, church. Does God answer prayer? So let's say it with conviction. Does God answer prayer? Is he good? So is every answer good? (laughs) It's a true question. Every answer, is it the right answer? Genesis 18, 25. Will not the judge of all the earth do what is? He always gets it right every time, always gets it right every time, so every answer that he gives is good, so I pray with open hands because I know whatever I'm going to receive from him, even if it's not good in my eyes, is it right? Can I be thankful for that before I even receive the answer? Thank him before. Lord, you can change this. And I'm thanking you for however you choose to answer my prayer because I'm trusting you. This is a petition. It's not a demand. You appointed this. There's nothing that is outside of your control. You're doing something here. But here's my petition. You can change this. I'm asking you to, but I'm leaving you the choice because the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Here's the third prayer. You're with me. In this, you're with me in this. Your level of peace in a difficult situation is going to be directly proportionate to your thankful prayer. If you are praying thankfully with a thankful spirit, a spirit that recognizes God's sovereignty, a spirit that recognizes God's power and choice and his care and a spirit that recognizes his presence. I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life, I'm going to try to move this table more to the center without dumping everything out. There have been times in my life when I have prayed, and it almost is like I'm trying to get God's attention when I pray, as if I don't already have it. I'm trying to get it trying to get God's attention, trying to get him to pay attention to me because my assumption is not that he is with me, right? My assumption is that he's not with me. That's my base assumption that I kind of, why? Because it doesn't feel like he's with me. But look at what Paul says here, verses seven to nine. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, means it makes no sense, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, right, pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So he's said two things in this kind of prayer, this thankful prayer. He said, the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds, and then he wraps it up by saying, and the God of peace 
will be with you. This is God's presence. And he's not, this is not a conditional if-then statement either. He's not saying, okay, if you think about these things, then God is going to go, okay, they're thinking about the good things. I'll go be with them. No. This is a how. How I become aware of God's presence. I'm going to tell you something. You're a believer. This is something you need to do on a regular basis, okay? Especially in the midst of your prayer. This helps turn it into thankful prayer. Assume his presence. Assume it. You're a believer. He's with you. Assume his presence because your base assumption based on your feeling is going to be that he's not with me and that's going to change the nature of your prayer if you pray at all. We see this dynamic in Scripture, and we see it in Psalm 22. I'm just going to have the verses up on the screen for you. You can turn there if you'd like to. But in Psalm 22, David is writing, and he says this. This is what's very interesting to me. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night but I find no rest. Now, before you go to the next slide, Andrew, I want to ask everybody a question here. Does this happen? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Had that actually happened to David? Had God actually forsaken him? When you're in a situation, whatever your situation is, has God forsaken you? Why not? He doesn't do that. At least my copy of Scripture tells me he doesn't do that. You're a believer. God does not forsake people. Why did he say it? Did it feel true? That's why. The first category here in Philippians 4, there's actually two categories of this thought process that Paul tells us to undertake. True, noble, right, and pure. That is, those four things together constitute what's true. What's true? What's correct? You're in a situation, what is the last thing that we tend to think about? What's true? Why? Because my anxiety is flooding my thoughts with my emotions and how I'm feeling, and so I end up in a situation where I say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When he's actually not forsaken me, but I am so focused on things that are not true. And so my mind is flooded with dark, anxious thoughts. Well, that's going to affect my prayer. You will pray how you think. You'll pray how you think. So to change your prayer, you need to change how you think. This is why Paul's giving you this prescription here. You don't feel like what's true is actually true, so you need to tell yourself what's true. Watch, David does this later in the same psalm, Psalm 22, verses 23 to 24. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him, revere him. All you descendants of Israel, for he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. Okay. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Hey, he's not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. Which one is it, David? <laughs> because in one situation, he is feeling the reality of the situation. That's okay to do. Feel the reality of the situation. His anxiety is up to his neck. He's feeling it, but then he responds by telling himself what's true. 
God hasn't actually forsaken me. He's still with me in this. Make that your prayer. Assume God's presence in your situation. But it's not just what's true that we need to focus on. It's also the second category. Look at these other words in Philippians 4.8. Whatever is lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. The word that I came up with to sum this up is beauty. This is beauty. Now, at the risk of losing all the guys in the room, just hang with me, guys. To turn my prayer into thankful prayer, to assume God's presence, to be able to pray you're with me in this, I need to not just tell myself what's true. I need to be captured by God's beauty. Beauty holds our attention. This is why Paul says to think about whatever's lovely. Beauty holds your attention. It does. You look at a piece of art on the wall, and you stand there staring at it, and you don't know exactly why. Why? Because it just captures you. That happens in art. happens in music. It also happens when I'm watching someone do something incredibly skillful. I remember growing up, watching Michael Jordan play basketball. <clears throat> now, you can say what you want to say about Michael Jordan as a person. I have a lot to say about that. But I'm just saying the guy can play. When he played basketball, it was a thing of beauty. You could see it. There are fingerprints of God's beauty all over his creation, everywhere. All over you, all over me, all over the things we see in the world. You wake up in the morning, you see the wonderful colors of the trees as they change colors in the fall. That is a mark of God's beauty. But too often, we're too busy and too anxious to even sit and notice it. Sit and notice it. Because it's going to be a signifier of you of God's presence in your life. You're with me in this, okay? Because you're captured by his beauty, right? True and beautiful. Paul says, to change your thought process, which will change your prayer, think about what is true and what is beautiful. Well, who do we know that fits that description? It's Jesus himself, true, right? So we have the cross to think about. Where God, that picture, as ugly as it was in person, is incredibly beautiful to us, is it not? You need to tell yourself what's true and be captured by God's beauty. This is, I want you to imagine that this is your brain on anxiety. Okay? Clouded, filled up. You start pouring in thankful prayer. Lord, you... You, you appointed this. You can change this, Lord. And eventually, well, it was supposed to happen, but I didn't have enough water. Eventually, what will happen is you will change the concentration of what's in there. You pour in enough of truth. You pour in enough of what God tells you to focus on in thankful prayer. Eventually, you will dilute your own thought and your own heart into something that is thankful before God, and that releases God's peace. You have access to it, but we're not taking advantage of the access that we have. I might pray, but I pray worry all the time because my prayer at its heart source, at its spirit, isn't thankful. So what happens if we start to change this? Don't mistake this, by the way, for positive thinking. 
What I've been telling you today is not positive thinking at all. It's not. It's not just the power of positive thinking. Somebody says, well, think positive. Right? God tells us to be prayerfully thankful in every situation. Some people say, well, you're in a situation right now. Get thankful to God. So just write down things that you're thankful for. Well, that's good to do, but that leaves me being thankful around my situation, not in my situation, right? This is the kind of prayer that changes the game. That's why Paul has given it to us as a prescription, but it is not just positive thinking. It's gritty, okay? Sometimes we like to cover thankfulness with flowers and you know I'll be thankful and it's a wonderful thing but this is actually this is a this is a wartime reality spiritual warfare is real and Paul is writing to people a real church living real life in real anxiety and stressful inducing situations this is what he's telling them to do in the midst of it's the best that he's got because it's God's word for us get thankful prayerfully thankful about everything because it's a gritty prayer from the grim reality of whatever your situation is and it's an act of defiance because you refuse to accept whatever situation is in front of you as all there is to the story is that all there is to the story no it's not when you pray lord you appointed this Lord, you appointed this. You are in control. You can change this. You want to hear my petitionary prayer, but I'm, I'm staying thankful before you, and you're with me in this. It changes completely how I'm thinking about the situation that I'm in. So God tells us, pray. When? Every situation. How? With thanksgiving. Here's my challenge to you. You got three prayers there that you've written down in your notes. If you've taken them down, I want you to take your notes and I want you to circle one of the prayers. You've been listening and God has been speaking to you in different ways as you've been listening. And one of those I'm willing to bet is standing out to you right now is one that you probably need to start praying in your situation this week. I'm just going to tell you, you got a notepad, circle around whatever that prayer is, or just write one of them down. You appointed this, you can change this, you're with me in this. One of those things, and pray it every single day this week into your situation. As you pray about whatever you're facing, pray one of those prayers, and watch what happens to your heart. Watch what happens to your perspective as you put the word of God into action. As Paul says, you do these things with thanksgiving, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the reality of your word. Thank you so much that you have given us the gift of your presence, your control, your sovereignty, that we can appeal to these things in prayer, have thankful hearts, and be completely changed. Lord, we're so grateful to you. Make us more grateful people as we continue this series throughout the rest of this month leading up to Thanksgiving Day. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.